0: As you grow and you mature you you probably get to a point where you go well you know just being an employee in a company you know how how long can that really last for and at at some point you've got to have a crack yourself and 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 start a business and trust is hard-earned but it's easily lost the one thing for us when we look at investments is that we want to work with credible partners it would be highly highly unlikely for us to work with a, a group or didn't make an investment on behalf of our clients into a group that we had no idea who they were and they just sort of came off the street. Did you ever think you were going to be an entrepreneur? If you asked me that question (laughs) 10 years ago, I probably would have said no. Private
1: markets investments are investors can find some real value. I find the best way to learn is learn from someone who's done it before and given it a go. Hi, I'm Travis Miller, host of Grow Your Wealth podcast. Thanks for joining me here today. On these podcast sessions, we're going to talk through how uh, certain investors have navigated the bumpy road of investing, whether it be through business or investments in general. Thanks for listening today. Today, we are thrilled to introduce our guest, Trent Dowdy, a key figure in the world of private wealth management. Trent's journey is nothing short of remarkable after a career working for global investment banks across Australia, Japan, Hong Kong, and Singapore seven years ago. He embarked on a challenging yet rewarding venture with Callium Partners building out Private Wealth's division. When he joined, the division was akin to a startup. Today, Trent is partner and director at Callium Partners Private Wealth. His role is pivotal in advising high net worth families, non-profits, foundations, and individuals on wholesale investment portfolios and alternative investments a testament to Trent's expertise and vision. In our conversation today, we'll explore Trent's journey, the challenges he has faced, the strategies he has employed and his insights into creating a successful independent wholesale wealth offering. So tune in as we uncover the secrets to growing and managing wealth of one of the industry's most seasoned professionals, Trent Doughty. Welcome Trent to the Grow Your Wealth podcast.
0: Oh, well, thanks for having me, Travis. It's a, it's a pleasure.
1: So let's kick off with something simple. Let's start at the beginning. Can you give us a potted summary of who you are and what you're currently doing at Kelly and Partners Private Wealth?
0: Sure. So, um, born and bred in Sydney uh, in the mid '70s, um, my mother and father um, had their own small business, so you know, came from a small business family and background, and, and that business was in um, steel and metal fabrication uh, in in Sydney's western suburbs. Um, so, you know, grew up in a, you know, sort of hard, hardworking working middle-class family in, in Sydney's West. Um, got a brother called Clayton. Um, he lives in Brisbane these days and myself and Clayton, we attended, uh, St. Patrick's college at Strathfield. Um, you know, as I say, hardworking family, sports loving family. Um, yeah. What
1: do you like on the steelworks? Did they pass anything down to you?
0: Well, you know, I spent uh, a number of uh, school holidays uh, in the in the steel factory. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was uh, once again, you know, we we went, uh, we we were always kind of working hard and you know pitching in where we could. So, no, it was yeah, uh, it was good. good fun.
1: That makes sense. Background of mm. where you got to today. Yeah. That's right. Ultimate
0: entrepreneur. Yeah, well, learn a lot about business, you know, yeah, from you an gotcha. early age, which was great.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how did you come to launch the private wealth division at and Partners? And, you know, what problem were you solving in doing it?
0: Yeah, look, um, you know, I just mentioned there, you know, I went to St. Patrick's College at Stratfield. So, you know, in mid-2016... I received a phone call from a, an old school buddy from St. Patrick's College, Stratfield, who was, uh, the, the one and only Brett Kelly. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> so myself and Brett, we went to high school together yeah, gotcha. and, um, and you know, Brett had, you know, done this amazing job over, you know, the course of, you know, eight years prior to that, of building this amazing network of accounting firms, yep. uh, across Sydney and. You know, Brett's strategy was really to provide accounting services to SMEs, uh, across the greater Sydney area. But, um, what Brett did, which I thought was, was quite unique and quite good was that, you know, rather than just kind of sitting in the ivory tower in, uh, in, in Sydney CBD, yeah. he actually went out to the burbs and set up offices, you know, in, you know, Norwest and Campbelltown and Barrel and mm-hmm. Western yeah. Sydney and that. So really was bringing those, you know, city accounting services out to the suburbs. And I think that that was a great strategy. So yeah, I guess, you know, Brett called me in 2016 said, look, you know, I've built this great accounting network. What we're missing is a great wealth management division. Makes sense. And I guess the, yeah, to answer your question on the, you know, what problem were we solving really, what I guess me and Brett saw was, is that we saw the Royal Commission into financial services coming down the pipeline and we knew that that was not going to end well. Um, and we knew that it was going to shine a pretty bad light on, you know, financial advice and financial planning. So Brett was like, look, I think a lot of our clients and people in our network are going to be coming to us, asking us for, you know, independent trusted advice. Um, because you know, a lot of trust had been broken with the the big banks and the the big incumbent um, wealth managers. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. I mean, that's, the accountant's always the trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. Often that's where people go to when they're not sure where to turn and accountant's not necessarily an advisor. That's you know, right. Not sort of not offering wealth uh, services all the time. So I can see how the connection came about. Mm-hmm. And now in your opinion, what is the secret to maintaining a competitive advantage?
0: Yeah, look, I think for us, I think, you know, you, you, you need to be different um, and you just can't offer what everyone else is offering. Um, I think that's – that's something we're focused on in our business. And, and I think also too, you can't be everything to everybody. For sure. So I think you kind of need to, to be different, you know, be unique. Um, you know, I think at Kelly partners, you know, we've always tried to be different to our competitors. Um, you know, a good example that was, you know, the ado- early adopters of the, I, I, I platforms For sure. and working, working with iPartners, partners, you know, from a, from an early start. So I think, you know, our adoption of alts. And that, you know, once again, that was just setting us apart from all the other sort of, you know, financial, not everyone, but, you know, a vast majority of financial advice groups that are just kind of, you know, rolling out the run of the mill sort of portfolios. Yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, looking from the outside in, what you've done in alternative assets is really impressive, right? But Mm -hmm. what you've also done for your investors, you've given them exposure to a diversified portfolio of alternatives, something that was very hard to access in the past. That's right. And so looking back, you guys were an early mover. You That's probably right. didn't think it at the time. No. <laughs> but, uh, you know, where you are today, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, so exactly. Congratulations. Uh, and now let's take a little bit of a step back because the thing about this podcast, people want to hear about sort of your, your personal background and your career and how you got where you are today. So you can just take us through your early career journey uh, and then tell us what you've enjoyed most.
0: Yeah, sure. So, uh, actually my first job, um, was, uh, working in the financial services sector. I, my first job was for a, a Japanese bank, gotcha. uh, in Sydney called Nippon credit bank. Um, so as you probably recall, you know, all the Japanese banks in the, yeah. in the late eighties, early nineties, all the rage, you know, the Japanese economy was booming, mm. uh, Japan basically owned everything. Yeah. Um, the Japanese banks were, were, were dominating. Like they were, they were, they were the huge banks. So worked, worked in the settlements division, uh, at Nippon credit bank for a couple of years. And then I was lucky enough that, um, after I'd sp- spent a little bit of time there, they offered me a traineeship on the money market, um, desk. Um, so I moved into treasury, um, was doing short term interest rate trading, you know, helping out with balance sheet management, funding, um, FX forwards, all that mm-hmm. sort of good stuff. Gotcha. So I did that for a little while. And then obviously then all the, the Japanese banks then sort of retreated from the Australian market and I, um, ended up taking a job at, um, West LB, yeah, gotcha. which was one of the big, um, German landers banks and, um, working there was interesting too, because, um, because we had a, a quasi, uh, government guarantee from the, the German government, you know, we had a double uh, A plus credit rating, so yeah. raising money, uh, mm-hmm. wasn't a problem. <laughs> <Gotcha>. yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so that, that was actually a really, really good, good place to work. And then, So I worked at West LB until, uh, 2000 and then, um, I got a transfer with West LB to, uh, work in the Tokyo branch to work on the balance sheet. there, doing, um, non-yen funding. So, um, yeah, and look, I guess to answer your question about what, you know, what have I enjoyed doing the most about, I guess that early part in my career, you know, um, looking back, I think definitely I would say like the lifelong friendships that I've made. So like, you know, including yourself, you right. know, um, you know, there's, there's some amazing people that I've met over my career and mm. I think, you know, we're quite lucky in the financial services industry and certainly in, in banking and finance and wealth management that it's a pretty kind of collegiate sort mm. of group too. And, um, yeah, so I've, I've I feel fortunate that you met, met some in, incredible people.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, if you think about your, uh, went to school with Brett, that's how your current that's right. uh, opportunity <laughs> came about. And yeah. I, mean, I think that's the key part about working is that it's important you do your job, it's important you educate yourself and study, but I think it's very important you allocate time to catch up with your mates, your friends, your family, because that network is critical, right? Absolutely. you think through your contacts now, a lot of those are people you meet in your first or second job. I'm sure you're speaking to people you work with at West LB.
0: Yeah, no, I do, and, you know, even... Even guys and girls I was dealing with in the sort of, you know, mid, mid, mid-90s, mid um, you know, money market trading or trading mm. FX forwards and that, you know, we still catch up for lunch every now yeah. and again. And, you know, yeah, it's it's really good.
1: Yeah, The other thing I think that's interesting in your career is starting in rates. Yes. I spend part of my career in rates. So I just think it's just critical to understanding financial markets, understanding yield curves and just understanding rates in general because they're applicable across all asset classes. Yeah. So I think it's quite – you probably didn't mean at the time, but starting in money markets and getting opportunity rates—I'm sure it's helped you a lot, particularly nah, in this alternative
0: space. No, nah, it really has. Yeah, and look, I think you know, as you say, great building blocks, mm. and you know, understanding how bond markets work and funding and all that. Yeah, that's that's obviously critical.
1: Yeah, got you. And now, can you share with us two or three pivotal moments that led you where you are today? And it can be personal, it can be career—just a couple of things that turned the dial. And you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think probably in career, I think probably the first one would have to be, um, you know, when I was in year 11 at, at St. Pat's that they, they said, look, you know, they asked all the students to do a one week of work experience. Mm. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do? And um, so I spoke to a friend of mine who um, was was um, involved in money market trading and, and broking. And um, so he arranged for me to spend a week on a, a smoke-filled cigarette yeah. smoke filled, uh, bank bill trading desk with, a, a, a company called Harlow Butler's, <laughs> yeah. which were like a, you know, interbank uh, interbank, um, broker. Yeah. So, um, spent a week there. Um, I just love the fast pace, you know, the noise and, um, you know, obviously at, at the end of every day, they'd go to the oxy and have a couple of spooners. Ah. So that, that, that was quite gotcha. appealing. So I think that was kind of a, a pivotal moment in terms of like deciding what I wanted to do with my career and, you know, working in, in, in sort of banking and and the financial sector was something that appealed to me from, from that sort of point, from, from, you know, that age. And then I guess probably the other sort of, I guess, two pivotal moments were, was one in, uh, when I was in Tokyo, uh, West LB did a restructure and was made redundant. And I took a job with Citigroup, a private bank in Hong Kong. And so that's where I yeah. switched from trading and global markets to private banking and wealth management. Yep. So I, I look back and that was a, you know, never looked back and sort of yeah. just always stayed in wealth management from, from that mm. point forth. And so that was great. And working at Citigroup was amazing. That was, that's such a great company. And, um, you know, I learned a lot about that and I guess, yeah, probably the final one was, you know, when Brett Kelly called me up and, yeah, sure. you know, asked me to join, um, join Kelly partners. And I think, that's also been really pivotal, uh, pivotal in, in my career in that, you know, going from an employee working in a big bank yeah. to then going and working, as you said, it's almost, it was a startup, basically Definitely. it was a fresh yep. piece of paper. Um, not only did I learn, learn a lot about running and starting a small business, but I think I learned a lot about myself too, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause when you're just in the, you know, that sort of comfort zone of being an employee and then all of a sudden you just take the leap and. Leap of faith, and then you're just on your own, and you 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 sink or swim. Um, you find out a lot about yourself Pretty too. So
1: the funny thing about small business: if you don't make money, you don't have a job. No, so <laughs> you don't have a business. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think interesting your background. Mm. A lot of the advisors I've known over the years, the really good ones, are ones that have that institutional background and experience, mm-hmm. and then they then apply it to their wealth management industry. So they've yeah. kind of got the full the full circle of knowledge, um, you know, across that sort of different types of. Uh, Markets, investors. Yeah, I agree. Hey, if you're enjoying this, please subscribe on whatever platform you're using. It helps us build a community. We want to educate investors, and this is what it's all about. I well, start talking about, you You you've mentioned Brett, yeah. uh, as far as you know, people have influenced you. Mm-hmm. Is there one or two others? Obviously, it sounds like your parents were pretty influential mm-hmm. early days. So it sounds like entrepreneurs ran their own business. Mm-hmm. Can you give us one or two others that sort of were important to you?
0: Yeah, look, yeah, definitely my parents. Yeah, I, I think, you know, my, my parents instilled that sort of hard work uh, mm. ethic into me from a, a very early age. And I watched, you know, dad getting up early every morning and working till late and, you know, um, running the business. So, yeah, that, they, they were excellent mm. role models for me. Um, I remember dad also, you know, when I was um, pretty pretty young, he, he handed me a um, Dale Carnegie's book, you know, yeah. How to Win Friends and Influence People and said, you know, read that. That'll that'll help you a lot <laughs> in life. Yeah, that's good. Um, so that's a, that, was, that was good. And, and look, probably... The other people have been very influential in my life. I would say my uncle, um, he was the CEO, um, of Siebel Furniture, which is now GWA. Um, which, um, you know, he's a pretty handy golfer as well. He was, yeah. he was responsible for getting me involved in golf, but, um, he taught me a lot about business and, and being able to deal with people and, and senior executives. And, um, you know, he was a great, great role model as well, as, as well as my parents and probably, yeah, obviously Brett. Um, at Kelly Partners has been, um, influential in, you know, helping me start Kelly Partners Private Wealth and sort of guiding me and leading me through that. But I would also say Kim as well. So mm. Kim Lim, who was one of the original partners, um, in Kelly Partners Private Wealth. So I wouldn't have been able to build that without her as well too. So she's been very influential as well. Oh,
1: that's good. Mm. So you mentioned golf. So mm. how's the golf game going?
0: You any good? <laughs> um, it could always be better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, i got a lot going on. So unfortunately, you know, I don't, uh, I don't get to play as much as I'd, I'd like to, but yeah. um, you know, in, any day out in the golf course is better than the office. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. <laughs> How important is golf to the career you reckon?
0: Yeah, look, once again, I think, I think golf has been one of those things during my career where, you know, it actually has been important because it's allowed me to, connect and play with some senior executives in, Mm, in places that I've worked with. So I know when I was at Citigroup and I worked at Deutsche Bank for a while as well too, you know, I got the opportunity to play with some senior management in golf, golf games, but I guess more recently, um, it's a great way to connect with clients Mm, and, and prospects because, you know, you, you got six hours together basically. Um, and it's very rare that you get to spend six hours with your clients or a prospect and you get to talk about not only work, but, you know, you talk about golf and life and that. So yeah. Yeah,
1: I do get it. Like, I'm a terrible golfer. I'll, I'll declare <laughs> that right now. But I mean, if there's a golf day and I get invited, I'll probably go three or four a year. And it's for that reason, right? Mm. You catch up with a good group of people, talk about business, broaden your networks. Even though I sort of hit the ball straight in the water, <laughs> I'm there having a go and sort of meeting meeting different people. Yeah. It's part, I think it's just part of the industry. No, it's true. Uh, okay. So you've had a varied career and you've touched on some of these points already, but what the biggest shift, you've made in your career that brought you where you are today?
0: Um, yeah, look, I think, as I mentioned before, I think, you know, when I moved from, from West LB to, to Citigroup private bank, and then kind of getting out of that trading environment and then getting into an advisory role, um, that was a big shift. And, and, and to be honest, it wasn't easy either, Mm. because when you've been on a trading desk for so many years, you know, you... Um, you've been there. You kind of um, you're you're a different animal, yeah. and then and then when you have to then go and sit in front of people and advise them on their wealth, um, it's a it's a it's a different skill set again. Yeah. Um, Is it Singapore and, or Hong Kong? Uh, I started in Hong Kong gotcha. with Citigroup, and then yeah. um, and then uh, ended up moving to Singapore gotcha. after, yeah, so after a, city, a few city years. City
1: Private's a powerhouse. Mm, yeah, up in the Asian region. So that sort of that seems like a pretty good move.
0: Well, the the thing that amazes me, you know, having worked in the private banking industry in Asia, when I came back to Australia, I was just absolutely astounded at just how far behind Mm. Australia is like the private banks in Australia, like just so far behind. Um, they were just light years ahead in terms of products and platforms and reporting and banking systems and everything. And, um. Yeah, I think, you know, we're starting to, to, the private banks in Australia are playing a little bit of catch up now, but they're still way behind where Mm. a UBS or, you know, um, a Citigroup private bank or, or, you know, some of those um, large private banks operating up in in the Asian region, but yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a bit, there's a lot of it's technology gap down Mm -hmm. here, right? Like it's just, Mm -hmm. there's not the technology and platforms to support multi-asset, multi-currency type investors. Um, but obviously you're solving some of that with the iPlatforms, uh, exactly for alternatives. So <laughs> <That's it. laughs> you're on the path. Uh, okay. Now so let's talk about things like bumps in the road, right? Mm. So often, you know, in, in our industry, you need resilience. Mm. You're always going to take hits at sort of how you move on. Do you want to give us two or three examples of bumps in the road and sort of how you got over it and what were the learnings?
0: Yeah, look, <sighs> I, yeah, look, it's, it's a tough question because I think, you know, yeah, there's, yeah, look, I, you, there are bumps in the road and yes, you learn from your mistakes. And, um, you know, I think not all of my career decisions have been, been great. Um, in hindsight, I probably look back and wish I would have stayed in jobs or roles longer than I did. So, um. So I mentioned, I, you know, I was working with Citigroup private bank, which was Citigroup was a fantastic organization. Sure. And then I followed, I followed, a, you know, um, the guy who was sort of running Citigroup private bank. I, I followed him when he became the CEO of, of Deutsche Bank private mm, wealth okay. in, in Asia. And, um, you know, he was a fantastic guy to, to work for, but you know, I sort of left the company to follow him and in hindsight, maybe that wasn't a great move. So probably the bumps in the road for me have, have been, you know, maybe some poor career decisions but you know it all led to other things as well too so not not disastrous but you know i think um i think looking back you know having some spending some extra time in in some places would have been good and i think also too you know bumps in the road look when we started kelly partners private wealth you know we went down a lot of rabbit holes and there were a a lot of bumps because we just weren't sure exactly, you know, how we want it to, to be and how it was going to look and how people were going to take it. And then we you know, we were using this platform and then we changed that pl- mm. platform. So it's been, you know, this process of sort of, you know, yeah. Learning from your mistakes, you know, going down rabbit holes, coming back out and, you know, um, and, and just doing that. So luckily I can say I haven't had no major bumps mm. in the road, but you know, a couple of small ones. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: I think that's part of the key of an entrepreneur. Mm you got to make decisions mm-hmm. and you make them and they'll be wrong. But once you've made them, you kind of got to get on with it. That's it. And just sort of think about, do I have to make another decision? Do I progress where I am? No, correct. But given where your business has got to, mm-hmm. you've clearly got more right than you got wrong. Yeah. And on the positive side of it, one or two things that, uh you know, about what's the two best things you've done.
0: Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, obviously, once again, with Kelly Partners Private Wealth, you know, we've now built it, you know, to a to a great business. It's growing. You know, we've... We've now got four partners in the business um which is which is great so we you know that's that's growing and building and um so that's been a a, a great success story so far and you know we've still got big plans in terms yeah. of what we want to do and where we want to get to so that's been a real positive and um yeah look i think probably the the other the other real positive um you know um, in terms of what's worked is and i certainly encourage a lot of young people listening to the podcast to do this, but I think my time working in Asia and working overseas was absolutely invaluable. So I think if anyone ever gets a chance Mm -hmm. to work in Asia or London or, you know, um, the U S um, or any sort of, you know, financial center, they should absolutely jump on that because uh, you know, you, you not only learn. A lot of different skills Mm -hmm. in terms of how business is done in those other countries, but I just learned so much about other cultures yeah, and sure. and in particular Asian culture and how Asian culture does business and how the Chinese do business differently to the Japanese and, and that. So yeah, I think that that was, um, that was a, that was a big yeah. positive.
1: Oh, that's a good call. I was up in uh, mm. Singapore about six weeks ago and there's a lot going on. Oh yeah. Like there's a lot of money flowing through there. There's a lot of interesting things happening and I had a lot of interesting conversations. So I think. As a younger generation, I think, uh, it's probably worth, you know, worth a visit. Definitely. Um, and now, sit on the entrepreneur side of things, do you think, did you ever think you were going to be an entrepreneur?
0: Um, if you asked me that question, <laughs> um, 10 years ago, I probably would have said no. Um, um, but, but look, you know, I, I think probably at some point as you grow and you mature, you, you probably get to a point where you go, well, you know, just being an employee in a company, you know, h- how long can that really last for? And at, at some point you've got to have a crack yourself yeah. and, and, and start a business look, you know, with the, with the beauty of hindsight, you know, I, I wish I probably would have done it earlier. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm fast approaching 50. Um, so yeah, I probably wish I would have, you know, rather, rather than starting this when I was in my, my forties, I wish I actually would probably it when I was in my 30s, so yeah, it's you
1: know. so A lot of entrepreneurs I speak to they're good at their job, good mm. for working for someone, and they think actually, I reckon there's a better way to do this, and I think I could do it better. Yeah. And that's the starting seed mm-hmm. of making that jump. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm sure you had those days, that's right. What's some common misunderstandings about successful entrepreneurs?
0: Yeah, um, I would say probably number one would be you know entrepreneurs take extreme risks <laughs> yeah um you know um once again you know brett kelly said to me once he said you know um you need to play defense as well as attack yeah for sure so you know he sort of said like if something goes wrong you got better have a you better have a backup plan so i think you know there's this mi- misconception that entrepreneurs are all big mm. risk takers I, I think you know a lot of them know how to manage risk too yeah. so um i think that's one i think probably the other one would be is that entrepreneurs, you know, only think about money. Mm. Um, you know, I think, you know, both you and me, we took pay cuts to to start our businesses, right. And, um, you know, I think most entrepreneurs I know are more interested in the equity and growing a business rather than what their pay packet is going to be every month, right. So, um. You know, I think entrepreneurs, they really believe in what they're doing and have a, have a real focus. So, you know, money's kind of a secondary thing. Um, and I think probably that also leads to the, um, the common misunderstanding that all entrepreneurs are rich. So, you know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs have mortgaged their houses to start, start their business. So, um, you know, we got, we've all all got to start somewhere.
1: Yeah. It's funny about entrepreneurs in a way it's only forced savings.
0: Yeah. You're not earning money along
1: the way, but if you get it right, that's right, get right. Maybe
0: there's a day when you sort of. uh, That's the payoffs in the back end. Things that were interesting.
1: Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you want to learn more about alternative assets, there's a book here you can read How You Grow Your Wealth, Alternative Assets. Now, back to the episode. Now, where do you see the most opportunity and risk today? Uh,
0: Well, clearly at Kelly Partners, we think the biggest opportunities in in alts um, and, and private assets. So as you well know, you know, we're seeing this sort of big shift away from sort of public markets into, into private, private markets. And I, I think the, the attraction there is that, you know, you can pretty much will get equity like returns with not taking equity market risk. Um, And I think that's very appealing to, to a lot of people. Um, But I think, you know more importantly there too, is that, you know, investors need to be very careful on manager selection and deal selection there. So, um, picking the right, picking the right horse and the right jockey becomes, becomes critical when you're playing that game. But yeah, certainly alts for us, I think and private assets is where we see the, the, the opportunities. I I think the biggest risk to all investors, um, is, you know, is investors getting scammed, um, by dodgy, investment deals and, you know, being promised very large returns, but, you know, you look at the security supporting it, or you look at the transactions very weak. Um, you know, we've actually at Kelly partners, believe it or not, we've actually probably saved a handful of Mm. clients from making very, very large investments into scams. Um, so, you know, you would have seen like, you know, the fake bond deals and the fake term deposit deals and things like that. Um, you know, more recently we've seen some, you know, fake NDIS property deals yeah. and things like this. So I think, you know, investors need to be really, really careful because that's a big risk and the amount of money people are losing to these scams is, yeah. is frightening. I mean, I think yeah. the last numbers I saw last year was that Australians lost $725 million to scams. I mean, yeah. that that is a, just an enormous mm-hmm. amount of money and yeah. you think if that was put to better use, um, uh, and and that's probably one of the reasons why I, I got into financial advice as well too is that I wanted to help people yep. you know avoid those those disasters
1: yeah I think that's absolutely a yeah, solid point right like the scam is is real mm. and uh, the other point is real in the private markets it's growing right mm-hmm. you now got a proliferation of new managers entering the marketplace and the hardest thing for investor is f- is working through what's you know, who's good and who's bad. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's a big challenge, right? And yeah. that's why having interposing someone like yourself and your business, a lot of your role is just feeding out, getting rid of the, the noise to exactly. find the, the good managers. And that's what it, at, at times at iPartners, what we're doing, we're just assessing deals constantly because mm-hmm. you've got to filter through a lot of garbage, to be honest, yes. and the garbage is growing. So oh. the job's getting harder, um, but it's, you know, it's still – it's, it's critical, you know, have those people in your corner. Yeah. And I think that's what you're bringing to Cali partners, which is good. Yeah, agree. Now, what are your tips for driving long-term wealth?
0: Um, well, look, it's probably pretty obvious, but, you know, look, I, I think, you know, if you want to build long-term wealth, I think, you know, you, you need to have a long-term view um, and you need to be patient. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know many short-term day traders that, you know, consistently make money. You know, I think, uh, once again, I think there was a study done where they found that, you know, over two years, 97% of day traders, you know, lost money. Um, so, you know, I think you gotta be patient. You gotta take a long-term view. I, you know, once again, it's probably obvious, but you know, having a proper asset allocation is really important. Having diversification is important, but you know, I like to say to, um, yeah, our investors as well, too, is that, you know, the, uh, compounding returns is the eighth wonder of the world. Pretty amazing, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything too crazy out there or, you know, don't go and chase the, the next shiny thing. I think if you can just get compounding, mm. you know, seven, eight, nine percent returns year and year and year for 20 years, yeah, adds up that's, a, quickly. That's, a, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good return. Totally
1: agree. Um, now, can you share your top tips for those looking to, you know, build a business?
0: Uh, yeah, look, I, I think if I, once again, I think if I look at how we started Kelly Partners Private Wealth and how we we built that, i probably probably start by sharing a couple of books that I read that that we yeah. sort of based, um, based our business off uh, and they were very helpful. And the first one is, I'm sure a lot of people have read it, uh, a lot of your listeners have read it, but um, Good to Great by Jim Collins, gotcha. um, that's a book that, you know, I guess our, our entire firm embraces and, and, uses and, and refers to, we refer back to it as well. Um, but that was a book that we sort of, you know, a- adopted from the start that we would use as a bit of a, a bit of a template. And then I think there's another book that we've used post that, um, is a book called, um, scaling up, um, by Vern Harnish, yeah, which is really gives you some great pointers in terms of how you can scale your business up, um, and look, I think probably my, you know, a few top tips from those books and, and our learnings from using that as a basis is that, you know, you need, I think you need a, a really sort of credible and realistic business plan. Yeah. So I think, you know, once again, I think, you know, I see a lot of business plans and I go. They're not realistic, you know, it's just pie in the sky stuff, you know, and and I'm sure you've seen a lot of pitch decks as well too, where you just go, you know what, it's just the, 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 the business plan is not feasible. Um, so I think you need to have, you know, something that's credible and realistic. I think more importantly as well too, is that you need great employees. I think if you don't have great employees and, you know, Jim Collins talks about that in his book in good to great, you know, if you don't, you know, you've got to have great people, you need to be able to develop leaders um, put employees first and then figure out, you know, what they need to do and then set out to achieve those goals. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Jim Collins also talks about, you know, companies slowly building momentum and building that towards greatness. So he talks about the fact that, you know, it's not just one event Mm. that makes your business scale up or get big. It's, it's a lot of little things over a long period of time. So, you know, the old saying is, you know, you uh, takes you a couple of years to, to, you know, um, build a, a good business that takes you yeah. 10 years to build a great business. So what we've been focusing on at Kelly partners to scale up and build our business is just, just doing little things, mm. you know, every day, every week, you know, just chipping away and just getting singles, yeah. you know, not trying to hit a six and, um, you know, all those things add up over time. And I, you know, I think with employees and management and leaders, you know, you need disciplined people. You know, you've got to have discipline in what you do. Uh, otherwise they're going to drag the organization down. And, you know, we, we also spoke about embracing technology. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, top tips for, you know, looking to level up in business, I would say, you know, absolutely. You've got to, uh, you know, got to, uh, embrace technology and that's something that we've done in our business really effectively is use yeah. technology as much as we can to scale up.
1: Yeah. That's some really good points. I think mm. that the idea of sort of equivalent
0: of, you know, one day at a time,
1: one mm. step at a time. Hitting singles, is so critical because an mm. entrepreneur, you can get overrun, right? Mm-hmm. It, can all, it can all become too much. Yeah. You just got to bring it back to what am I going to do today? What's my path? And I'm just going to stay on it and keep sort of chipping forward. Yeah, exactly. That's the uh, very good. Uh, and it's back to stay on Kelly and Partners. So mm. as a business, you've mentioned what you do differently. Alternatives, mm. obviously a big part of the game. And yeah. You're doing that really well. Is anything else you do differently and why?
0: Yeah. Look, once again, when we were starting the business, you know, um, myself and Brett and Kim sat down and we, um, we went through the whole blue ocean strategy (laughs) um, book and sort of ran that, that whole exercise as well. That was another, another book I can recommend to people to read, but you know, the blue ocean strategy is, you know, yeah, look, looking at finding areas in in terms of where we can play and, you know, avoiding the red ocean where everyone else is playing. Mm. And, And look, to be honest with you, like, I mean, we, we do get to see a lot of clients portfolios from competitors and other financial advice groups and that. And, and you know, what, what we see is that, you know, there's so many people out there just doing the same thing yeah, and it's all sure. cookie cutter and you know, it's all like, it's all very similar, you yeah. know, all similar asset allocations and all similar products and yeah. you know, everything's kind of very, it's all very unsophisticated yeah. stuff. So I think what we've we've tried to do, obviously, with, with iPartners and, and the iPlatforms technology is, you know, really create something that is, is different. You know, um, we're looking at building that up and building it out. Um, but, yeah, just, just being able to offer something different to investors and something that's a bit more cutting edge, uh, I think, is, you know, um, is what we're really trying to do.
1: Interesting, you say that my uh, my parents went and got a financial plan the other day, and I said, I bet I can tell you what it says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I said it across to me, it's got a little bit of equity, a little bit of fixed income, a little bit of international. It was kind of which you know what was probably maybe the right portfolio for them, but it is there's a lot of cookie cutter out there, yeah. Uh, and you know, a lot of high net worth investors looking at access to something different. Yeah. That's, that's what you're bringing,
0: yeah. And I think you know, when we, with ass allocation as well, like I mean, that's something we, we do firmly believe in, but once again, I think you know. There's a lot of investment advisors out there that are just kind of running off the Morningstar asset allocation or the, you know, the the asset allocation that you kind of just get from, you know, the big research house. I think where we've tried to be different is that we're super aggressive on, on tactical tilts. So, you know, we could see the interest rates were clearly going to be going up. So we were just like, you know, what zero property. You know, energy. we're zero infrastructure, we're zero long duration mm. bonds and long duration assets. So like we didn't go oh we're we moving from, you know, a 10% allocation to 8. Yeah, it yeah. was like, no, we're just out. Yeah, and no, and the same with like fixed rate bonds and that we're just like we're we're out. Like yeah. this is uh you could see you could see the which way the train was going. So I think you know, we're we're very aggressive in terms of, you know, um not uh, not afraid to change portfolios radically if we can see something coming. Yeah. Sounds good.
1: Mm. Now, this could be in a personal context or work, but mm. what do you
0: look for in an investment? Um, look, I think we touched on a minute ago when we were talking about, you know, people getting scammed. Um, you know, I think the, the one thing for us when we look at investments is that we want to work with credible partners. Gotcha. That's like absolutely key for us. Um, and once again, probably one of the reasons why we chose to work with, with I partners, um, was that, you know, this is credible people involved, but, mm. but that goes across for all the asset managers that we work with. They're just good people. They're honest. Um, they've got the runs on the board, they've got the experience. Mm. So, you know, it would be highly, highly unlikely for us to work with a, a group or, did make an investment on behalf of our clients into a group that we had no idea who they were and they just sort of came off the street. Yeah. So we do a lot of DD around the people involved. Um, I think also too, um, we, uh, we invest into a lot of, uh, the products that we offer our clients, we invest in, into them ourselves. So you know, we always hear about you know skin in the game and yeah. and that you know um, that that's a big part of what we look at as well too. So once again, not only a manager having skin yeah. in the game, but us as a firm. You know, am I putting my money in, or would I put my money in? If the answer is no. Then we, yeah. you know, what's the point of showing it to it's our clients?
1: Easy DD question, isn't it? Would easy I personally it. invest?
0: Correct. Um, I think the risk return profile just has to stack up. So once again, you see a lot of deals and you just go, you know, what? it's too much risk for a little return. It's not, it's not worth it. And, um, yeah, just, you know, I think that's, um, that's a big key for what we do as well too, just making sure we're maximizing returns for the risk we're taking. Gotcha. Makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, if you're enjoying this, please leave a review. It's really important to us. We're trying to build momentum around education and better reviews. We'll get more people coming and listening. Now, what's been your best investment?
0: Best investment? Um, well, it's probably two. I mean, you know, obviously Kelly partners, uh, <laughs> group True. holdings, you know, uh, had the, um, had the, the ability to participate in the IPO at a dollar. And I think yeah. uh, as of today, it's trading at $4.70. So that's been, good trade. that's been a good trade and a good investment. Um, the other one was in 1999, um. I visited, uh, Silicon Valley and I managed to get a tour of the uh, Google, yeah. uh, headquarters and I remember walking out of that place going, Oh my God, look, this place is just, mm. you know, just blew my mind. So, you know, the next day I bought some, some Google shares and, um, yeah, so you can imagine where I got in in 1999, yeah, wow. but, um, that was a great trade, but I, you know, probably got out too early too. Yeah, <laughs> <for sure. laughs> And their worst investment, um, yeah, look, we'd definitely have to be probably also uh, uh, in the similar vein, um, probably the dot-com bubble in, yeah, in 2000. Sure. I sort of put, put every sort of dollar I had into mm-hmm. all these tech companies and then it all just, uh, you know, we thought they were going to the moon and then they yeah. ended up going to hell. <laughs> so, that,
1: was a, that was a learning for our generation. Yeah. Approaching 50, dot-com was our learnings and GFC was our learnings. Yeah. They were the uh, – you know, the two early pivotal moments for
0: us. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you know, what's what's, what's uh, weird is that, you know, a lot of those those companies that, you know, blew up in the dot-com mm. bubble or, you know, their share price, had, you know, got crated, you know, uh, they're now market darlings. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, what legacy are you living and leaving?
0: Yeah, look, um, look I'd, ha- I'd have to say leaving a, a, a positive impact on the communities and, you know, other people is probably more, well, I think it is more memorable than money and tangible object, objects and things like that. So in terms of how am I living that, um, I think you may be aware I'm I'm, I'm involved in a uh, a community-based uh, charity called uh, Mongrels Men Health yes, and sure. Wellbeing yep. with um, Tim Hewson. So um, that's sort of a men's mental health um, uh, movement that I, I got involved in. And, you know, I think, yeah, probably living – living a legacy there in terms of just want to give back to the community. You know, men's mental health is a real thing. You know, there's so many suicides from, from young men. Um, if I can do a little bit to kind of help that, um, you know, that's something I would, I would like to, to, to leave and, and look, I guess, um, a question I'd probably ask myself about the legacy I'm leaving is, you know, when your physical life ends, you know, how do you want to be remembered? Um, so, you know what you do, um, what you do hope is, you know, what are people going to say, say about you and, you know, your lasting impact that, that you've made, you know, your work, your accomplishments, your relationships, your kids. Um, I guess in business, you know, I'm kind of hoping that the legacy that I, I leave behind is a, is a wealth management business Mm -hmm. that not only helps our clients and investors Mm -hmm. and Helps them be better off financially, but also if I can leg- leave a legacy of creating jobs and yeah, creating sure. opportunities for the next next generation, yeah, which you're, you're doing I, as well.
1: I think that's the end of the day. As mm. an entrepreneur, you are you're creating jobs for other people.
0: Yep. So I think that, that that's that. And I think, you know, um, in personal life, obviously, you know, I want to leave a legacy to my kids. But once again, you know, it's probably rather than thinking about it in monetary terms, you know, I, I just want to, I just want to give my kids the opportunity and the pathway that I had and, as a kid. Um, and once again, you know, you hope that for, for every kid that they get, they get a chance in life and, and an opportunity.
1: That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, now what do you believe the keys to success and why?
0: Um, I put honesty and, uh, um, trust right yep. up, right up the top. And, you know without that you know you really don't have anything and and in particular you know um in in, in our business i think you know trust is absolutely everything you know you, you, your clients are putting millions of dollars with you and you know they have to be able to, to yeah. trust you um so that's a that's a big thing and 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 not only at work but with your family and your mm-hmm. friends as well you know you want to have honesty and, and trust in all your relationships but you know, um, my dad said to me very early on too, he said, you know, trust is hard earned, but it's easily lost. Yeah. So, you know, that's a big thing. Um, you also mentioned too before, I would say, you know, a key, key, one key to success would be, you know, resilience Yeah. and perseverance, you know, <clears throat> in business and in life again, you know, facing challenges, learning from mistakes, you know, picking yourself up, up off the canvas, Yeah. Yeah. You know, pressing on, I think goal setting, and planning is also really important. I, I meet a lot of people who just, they haven't even bothered to write it down on paper. Yeah. Um, uh, I was guilty of that myself. Um, and, and, you know, I think when I joined Kelly partners, Brett said, you know, show me all your goals and your, your planning and, you know, with your personal life. And I was like, I, I've written that yeah. down, you know? So I was like, you know, I sat down and I wrote it down. I was like, okay, you know, this, this is good. So I think, I think, you know, b- keys to success, I would say, yeah, you're just, just setting some clear achievable goals and goals and directions, you know, developing a, a plan and staying focused. And I think finally for me, once again, this is something we drum into everyone at, at Kelly Partners and that is con- continual education and reading. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you have a guess what the average is of, you know, how many books, uh, the average Australian reads per annum. Uh, three one is it really wow. yeah yeah so so you think of that you know average australian reads one book per annum mm. um so if you if you actually read three or four you'd be you know mm. three times three times four times smarter than everyone else yeah. <laughs> yeah. but i mean you look you, I, I think you just in business and in life you look you do learn a lot from continual education but 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 also reading reading books and um Obviously, everyone who's listening to to this podcast should uh, read "Grow Your Wealth Faster with Alternative Assets," uh, <laughs> written good. by na- na- none other. Available on Booktopia. Yeah,
1: that's good. Mm. I mean, that's it's, it's it's your point's absolutely fair and correct, right? In that yeah. ongoing education is critical. Mm. That's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. That's what the iPartners business is all about. That's why I wrote a book about investing mm-hmm. alternative assets. That's why I've done too many degrees and, and all <laughs> sorts of things, right? But I love studying. But I just think it's critical, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are in your investing cycle, mm-hmm. the more you understand about investing, the better informed you are and the best, better decisions you'll make, and the lower the probability you ever get scammed. Like it sounds like you're the front line of protecting investors on. So I think it's very, very good points. Awesome. Now, getting towards the end, we go into just yep. a couple of quick fire questions, mm-hmm. one word or short answers. Mm-hmm. And some you might have touched on earlier, but what was your first job?
0: Yeah, I mentioned before, you know, was at uh, Nippon Credit Bank, but actually before that, my very, very first job was I worked for a bookie out at the horse yeah, races. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's pretty good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, what's a piece of advice for your younger self?
0: Uh, read more.
1: Gotcha. What motivates you most as a person?
0: Uh, making my family proud.
1: What's the most important skill for building wealth, and why?
0: patience. Um, there's no get rich quick schemes out there. And, you know, if I look at all our clients, you know, they've got rich slowly.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: What's the most important
1: habit for building wealth and why?
0: Um, control your spending, uh, invest, invest, invest.
1: (laughs) What is your definition of sustainable success? How are you achieving it? how can others?
0: That's a tough tough question. question. (laughs) (laughs) That's a (laughs) tough question. Um, I would say success is not, you know, um, is not through reaching the desired goal, but, you know, through the ability to maintain this goal in spite of difficulties, challenges, and competition. For sure. um, um, and you know, I'm sort of achieving this, I guess, by careful planning and strategy and, and, and we're constantly working on our, our strategy, strategy of our business. You know, it, um, it's, it's always evolving, um. One, one thing that more recently we've done in our business is that, um, you know, uh, I, I read in a book where it sort of said, you know, you look at, you know, football teams, soccer teams, tennis players, golfers, they all have a coach. So yeah. why don't you have a coach in business? Yeah, true. So we actually, uh, are working with a business coach at the moment just to help us take our business to the next level. But yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. When you're
1: not working, we know possibly golf, but you maybe throw something else at us. When you're not working. <laughs> How do you like to spend your time?
0: Uh, yeah, obviously yeah, golf uh, is a big, big part, but uh, look outside of that, I, I love to cook. Um, I think my family are absolutely sick and tired of me cooking a barbecue. Um, <laughs> Quality food. <laughs> but though. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I, I just love spending time with Kim and, and and our kids as well. That's brilliant. Mm.
1: What's the biggest mistake people make when it comes to building business and why?
0: Um, well, the old saying is, you know, businesses don't plan to fail, they Well, to plan is, 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 is true. So I think, yeah, you know, having a, a great business plan, a strategy I think is, is key. Um, but as I just said, like, I think that business plan has to be always evolving and you always have to be checking in on it and changing it and, and, and doing that. So, um, you know, I, I, as I mentioned before as well too, I think, you know, the people involved in your business Mm. is absolutely critical. You know, I think if you've got toxic people in your business, they're just going to drag you down. So you got to have the right people on the bus. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I think you could probably say the same for incompetent management as well. Yeah. You know, you've got to have, you got to have great management. And I think, you know, um, I'd also say, say as well, I think, you know, good, good businesses starting off, I, I think having a, and I've seen this at Kelly partners, chartered accountants, having a great accountant in your corner is, is very, very critical because they can guide you and, and help you as well too. So, you know, um getting that sort of forward looking advice from a good accountant is is also very handy. I understand. Yeah.
1: Very good. And now to summarize and wrap things up, Mm. what are your key takeaways and must do actions for investors?
0: Well, of course I'm going to say, uh, seek out a good, uh, really good investment advisor. (laughs) Um, but no, honestly, I think, look, you know, investing is, is complicated. It's complex. Um, most people probably do need some level of professional help, um, and guidance. So look, I think probably the key takeaways I would share is that, you know, um, you know, diversification asset allocation is, is absolutely key. Getting that right, you know, can make a big difference to your portfolio, um, you know, and helping spread risk. I think informed decision-making is just, you know, we spoke about that, like just, you know, a lot of people don't don't know about lots of different things when it comes to making investments. So I think you know, um, you know, having informed decision making is is you know very critical to su- successful investing and, and staying educated, continually updating your knowledge uh, is definitely definitely important. Um, Long term perspective, as I say, there's so much noise in financial markets, right? Sure. Like, yep, you've got this twenty four hour news cycle. You know, you got to be able to block out the noise. So. Don't make knee-jerk reactions. So, you know, one of my clients called me, you know, recently, you know, when when things were kicking off in Israel, it's like, you know, sell out of everything. I was just like, just 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 cool your jets. So, you know, we just, um, you know, I think, you know, no don't, don't sell out at the lows because you know, when you're selling out at the lows, that's when the smart money's buying. So I think, you know, yeah, just, just being, being patient, um, is, is critical. Um, and resisting the urge to make, you know, um, snap decisions.
1: Yep. That's brilliant. A couple of those books you've mentioned, I haven't read. So I think, uh, I'm going to go and buy those and mm. educate myself the next few weeks on those, <laughs> yeah. but, uh. Thanks a lot for coming in. If anyone's interested in finding out more about Kelly and Partners Wealth Management, uh, visit kellypartners.com.au. Thanks again, Trent.
0: Thanks, Travis. Look, I really appreciate you having me on the show. And, um, you know, thanks to yourself and everyone at iPartners. It's been a, a great partnership. And, um, you yeah, know, we look forward to working with you guys into the future. Very
1: good. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, if you're enjoying this, please leave a review. It's really important to us. We're trying to build momentum around education and better reviews. will get more people coming and listening.